1: Legitimate companies, some legitimate ownership of stuff in order to show how wealth has come to them.
0: Arije had discovered a business card that he had given out previous to the sanctions, and on the business card was the address of the Boulevard Plaza. But this was an old business card, and they were able to comb in on it, find the address, and link it back to Kinahan. I'm Nicola Talent and you're listening to Crime World. A podcast about criminals, drugs and the sins of the underworld, in Ireland and across the globe. A tricky financial advisor is found to have shared an office with Daniel Kinnahan in Dubai, where he claimed to have become a money guru for the young and the ambitious. But was Norwegian native Thomas Stray, famous in Denmark for his boom and bust lifestyle, really unaware of who he was hot-desking with at the Boulevard Plaza in Dubai, or would a simple Google search have alerted him to the background of Ireland's most wanted man? Today, I'm talking with Niall Donald about the curious connections between Stray and Kinahan, and the cryptocurrency they discussed in the run-up to the US sanctions. This is Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. So Thomas Spre- Stray, so I'm going to call him Spray, was formerly, now, I don't know how to pronounce this, Thomas Oyi.
1: <laughs> well, I presume it's that's, it's that's not, it or nor, it's Norwegian. Yeah. Uh, I presume that is definitely not how you pronounce it. But. <laughs>
0: so I found this interview he had done recently in the com. I don't know what that is. Yeah. It was an interview with him. Um, it was more like an advertorial feature, to be honest yeah. with you. So it says he was born in Norway. He started off his life selling encyclopedias. Yeah. And then he kind of got into financing and he ended up bankrupt. Yeah. Quite high profile in Denmark. The bankruptcy in 2001, he relocated to Dubai. But in 2005, he seems to have been sentenced to 18 months 12 months suspended. I think he became
1: mm. uh, one of these kind of well-known wheeler dealer types yeah. in Norway. Uh we've had a Denmark few, I think. Sorry in D- Denmark. So we've had a few of our own in Ireland. Yeah. and um, like it was all he by the age of 30 he seems to have gone through millions, millions exactly. Big investments yeah. investments that didn't work out. Yeah. Um and He'd
0: made it and lost it all. made
1: it and lost it all 30, and yeah. seems to have been mm-hmm. one of these um Del Boy on a grand scale, if you know what I mean. Yeah. like do you want to do- Now, he's
0: in his early 50s now, which I was surprised. I thought he was younger looking than yeah. that. By 2006, this Czech sports agency said he'd cleared his debt. And then they go on to do this sort of profile on him. Yeah. And they say in 2020, he established endomage funds investing in disruptive technology companies. Yeah. What is that?
1: <laughs> well, I suppose uh, disruptive technology would be something like uh, Airbnb you know, which disrupted the rental market. Rental market.
0: So they're talking about that always being in fast growing sectors. And actually, interestingly, there's a report out recently from Europol. Yeah. Talking about, you know, criminal finance and the kind of the the black economy and about how they constantly invest in constantly growing sectors like construction. Yeah. Yeah they never shrink these sectors and obviously new technologies and climate change stuff yeah. at the moment is really of course, high on their which
1: was, list. Which of course was something that Christy Kennehan had a senior, had a well particular... Well before this yeah, time, yeah. And maintained a particular interest in.
0: So it, this, this uh, advertorial says that our pal Thomas Stray um, is providing ambitious entrepreneurs with funds in Dubai that he's the epitome of redemption and resilience. Right, right. His story is an inspiration for young people, teaching them that when you're kicked, you get up and you try even harder. So far from being a scammer, now this this profile of him yeah. says. Imagine that. Pro- imagine your profile saying, far from being a spoofer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Well, talent is not, not impossible that they
0: would, <laughs> kind of would
1: end up like that. But go ahead.
0: Stray is an honest, hardworking individual, dedicated to making a difference in the world of business and investment. Yeah. Now, the reason we're talking about him and that he's hit the, uh, and we'll give them a shout out for anybody who wants to look at the actual story, it's in Borden Dagbladet. Yeah. It's actually said the other way around in Danish, Dagbladet Borden, but the website is that. Yeah. D-A-G-B-L-A-D-E-T, because I'm sure I'm pronouncing that wrong. Um, And the reason that they're writing about him is he is one of these personalities, these sort of tricky-dicky characters that have been floating around for a long time. But his company, um, Endemage Funds, of course, shared an address in Suite 2101 and 2102 of the Boulevard Plaza Tower 2 where the Kinnahans were operating and the address was listed in the sanctions. Now, before we go any further, we should say that the story in the Danish media is coming from investigative work done by J Wolf and Countermole who are two. Um, oh, good... Internet
1: sleuths. Internet
0: sleuths, I would call them citizen journalists out there. They have been pursuing in any way they can the Kinahan story, untangling the finances. Um, They have been using technology to kind of find stuff that the Kinahan organization have tried to delete. They are both on Twitter and um, both have anything that they have done They've become extremely reliable sources of information because anything that they have done has been checked out and has been absolutely banged to rights. Yeah. And Arige, um Wolf certainly, and Countermole I know le- less about, but Arige has been operating for a good few years. Um, I don't know where. Yeah. But don't know who. No. But, and we don't, and nor do we need to know. Yeah. They're sort of sitting in the background there and they're doing Trojan work. Um, because. Like I have to say, I don't have the skill set for a lot of this stuff for linking uh, companies for, I don't have the technological experience to be able to go back and to.
1: Yeah, I mean, they've done kind of some incredible some, stuff. They've done of,
0: incredible stuff,
1: you know, in terms of any images that are posted, being able to. Homing in,
0: yeah. locating the images, yeah. finding the dates of them through various things that are in it, using all these sort of technologies to, to um, I mean, to keep these things and to keep, so they can't be destroyed and removed from the internet. But I mean, so anyway, that's where like that. the original investigation is coming from. What have you spent thirty-five quid on? No, nothing. That's an ad for I'm just
1: oh. the now the the um, so that address featured obviously in the sanctions list. It also featured in some of these leaks that was done by uh, uh, an international uh, consortium of investigative journalists. Those leaks seem to suggest that not only were uh, was Daniel Kinnahan renting uh, office space there, but that he would become uh, a beneficial owner of that property. So this was part. This was really the, the Kinnahan's legitimate front. I think that that business there, and um, they had it registered. Mm-hmm. Dukashu
0: was the business that was listed yeah. under the uh, sanctions by the U.S. Treasury and Hophu, which was the sort of the sports company that was been run by Ian Dixon, yeah. also sanctioned, a cousin of Daniel Kinahan's, yeah. who's been with him originally from Tala and who has been with him from the beginning, from the Spain days. So as Daniel Kinahan attempted
1: to go legitimate as, uh, you know, as a boxing promoter or boxing manager, um, they wanted, I think, to have a number of legitimate companies, some legitimate ownership of stuff in order to show how wealth has come to them, even in Dubai, where things are less uh, stringent in terms of, you know, the origin of money. So he obviously had this building, he was in and out of there. Um, The big dispute was where was MTK and what was the difference between MTK and and Daniel himself? But of course it was in that building too. Exactly. So, I mean, that was obviously, uh, it was in that building while MTK were publicly saying initially that they had nothing to do with him and then saying yes well he did manage or advise some of our boxers so in that building that he that the police seem to certainly believe he was the owner of that that particular section of the building and um, there's obviously this
0: uh, wheeler dealer And the Wheeler dealer was only linked to it because Arige had discovered a business card that he had given out previous to the sanctions. And on the business card was the address of the Boulevard Plaza. Yeah. Um, He's changed the business address, actually, of the funds to a building in Bay Square in the Business Bay area in Dubai. But this was an old business card and they were able to home in on it find the address and link it back to Kinnahan, And of course, then he's asked about Combat Coin. Now, this Combat Coin was something that popped up around the time or maybe in the aftermath or before the sanctions. And this was a company which was aimed at martial arts fans. And it was one project that has been linked to Daniel Kinnahan. Um, it was like a cryptocurrency. It was a wasn't cryptocurrency it? that was for MMA fans, yeah. and they were going to be able to use it to buy their seats at events which were held out in the Gulf. They were able to buy like posters and stuff like this from boxers that were
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, involved was in it NFTs was it? Uh, Go so, and explain that now. Oh, no, I'm not going. Try, gonna, I'm not try, gonna, try non fungible tokens. So I mean, although these <clears throat> uh, you know, which could be an image, a digital image, or something like that where people would have the ownership. So although these coins could be used to buy stuff uh, like you said
0: uh, pay for, for seats with it. But
1: really the value of cryptocurrencies is not uh, in what they can actually be used to to buy, it's that they become something of value in themselves and people trade them. So this is I this think they were also
0: up. going to be used to have interactive meetings with some of the fighters.
1: Yeah but I think the real core of it was to set up a cryptocurrency that could be traded Absolutely. And, and and not not just used you know that it could be traded between people who'd never cash in on the value of it I suppose I mean it was set up at the height of the cryptocurrency boom you had incredible uh you know values uh, being attached to cryptocurrencies now obviously some of that has gone totally awry
0: It was a very high profile launch for this combat chain combat coin and at it were Sonny Edwards. Yeah. The boxer who has been very vocal in his support for Daniel Kinnahan. Ben Davison. Yeah. The former manager of Tyson Fury who has been very supportive a voice for Daniel Kinnahan. Josh Taylor. A very supportive voice for uh, Daniel Kinnahan. Lee McGregor. Darren Till. Yeah. An incredibly supportive voice yeah. for Daniel Kinnahan, and somebody who was photographed with him. I think in actual fact the first photograph that came out of Dubai was Kinnahan with Till. Yeah. Um, Joan O'Carroll again very well known supporter of Daniel Kinahan and Terence Crawford now Eddie Hearn was also at the launch of it.
1: Yeah so I mean all those boxers were associated with MTK and many of them had spoken about Daniel Kinahan being a great manager. Obviously none of them uh, are suspected of being involved in crime in any way but they were all uh, professionally linked to Daniel through the boxing and they were the people who'd sort of come out on social media and spoken about him in glowing terms. Mm. And So that, that was it's the launch.
0: when you look at this sort of very complex network that the Kinnahans have set up and they've had all this time and all this money and everything to uh, create layers between them and everything else. But I suppose ultimately they have to have, they have to be there somewhere. Yeah. And Duke Shoe Trading, of course, had listed Daniel Kinnahan as a director, which is how the US Treasury were able to list it in the sanctions but to see the ties between MTK the boxing and Duca Shoe and the ties between Daniel Kinnahan and MTK was quite easy because Sandra Vaughan had been listed as a director and of course Sandra Vaughan was the main woman in MTK she was the woman who came forward this former Scottish business woman owner of Fake Bake who had links to the Kinahans way back through an ex-partner in Spain and um, and who showed up as the woman who bought outright, we were told, MGM, the original name of that boxing company, from Kinnahan and from Matthew Macklin. And the reason that it was bought and the name was changed was to sort of because of this very unfair media around Daniel Kinnahan and himself and Macklin decided they were, it was time to step back and to sell it in full, we were told, yep. Sandra Vaughan. For years after that, there was a media ban, an Irish media ban, that no Irish media were allowed speak to any of the boxers or report on anything or certainly weren't going to be helped doing that. Um, and that was in a temper because the news media wouldn't play ball and sort of leave it go that Daniel Kinnahan was the original founder of this company. And every time MTK was mentioned, of course, it was linked to Daniel Kinahan. So Sandra Vaughan got very antsy in Dubai and used to have these videos that were sent out on social media and interviews where she would criticise the Irish uh, media and the Irish in general for initially for linking Daniel Kinnahan to the boxing and afterwards when he decided to come forward and link himself to the boxing and back to MTK, it was because people Ireland had him as a
1: as a hero as a hero as a guy who had done done good done, done
0: good yeah. yeah he'd come from nothing and he had be, he was one of the most important people now in boxing and this was really in the years before. The, um, the sanctions when it looked like, yes, he was, and yes, he was going to get away with it, and he had transitioned. Um, so that's the combat chain. Now we'll go on to, sorry, go back to Thomas Stray, because the reason we're talking about him is not just because he shared an address with Daniel Kinahan, but he's actually been asked a couple of questions by the Danish media outlet Borden Dagbladet, uh, and he's answered them. And they asked him, first of all, did he know Daniel, Daniel Kinnehan? Yeah. And he says, although I knew
1: Daniel Kinnahan through shared office space, I had no personal or professional ties to him, others in the Kinahan family or any association with his business. Although I knew about him, I was unaware of his background until it became widely known. Which is, you know, what they all like to say, yes. as if it's only become widely known when they were sanctioned.
0: Did they ever hear at Google?
1: yeah. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean, ever hear of Panorama on the BBC yeah. or did they ever hear about, yeah, any anything, yes. any number of, of publications across the world who written about the Kinan cartel in well in advance of the sanctions
0: yeah.
1: uh, being placed on them?
0: So yes, he he's basically saying his time at the address was strictly professional. He said he left the address in 2019. It was only a serviced office. he does he's asked about this combat coin combat change, this, this currency, this cryptocurrency that um K- Kinnahan essentially attempted to set up, and he says he was approached about developing a website for a crypto. Currency, but the project came to nothing. There was no business transactions. And again, he says he was only aware of Daniel Kinahan through media reporting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in the aftermath, I think that was of the sanctions. Um, going back to the combat coin, and you can see it through the work again done by Ari J. Wolf and, Co- and uh, Countermole. There was a telegram sort of communication channel set up, and the first postings visible on it, and this is all kept in the threads of, of those two Twitter accounts, um shows this ex MMA fighter Tom Khan adding Dan Private yeah. and then Sandra V to the uh, to the, the the communication and TK M um, TK MMA fit a gym in Dubai started tagging uh this combat coin um the day before Daniel Kinham was pictured with Tyson Fury. Yeah. In in that gym. In that gym. Yeah. So, yes, there's all these ties. You see, it's like a kind of a, a jigsaw, isn't it? Everything, and you're trying to piece together a yeah. picture of who is who. I mean, if you would think of looking at the financial networks of the Kinnahans, I mean, the criminal uh, offences that they are suspected of is one thing, but separate that from the the money network.
1: Yeah.
0: And you have this complex and yet not rocket science stuff no, going no. on, really. And of course, because these- the links are through simple things like addresses through company directorships. Um, the fact of the matter is that while Sandra Vaughan held a very important place in MTK and while others were named as the kind of the owners of the company, um, Kinnahan always stayed there in the background, very much linked to it. No doubt the money laundering investigations that are ongoing into the Kinehan network are very much focused on the finances all around him and whatever he was linked to. Um, but I suppose that's, you know, if their money, for example, I'm speaking hypothetically yeah. here now, if the Kinahan money was being washed through boxing, yeah. They're not gonna just push it through and stand back completely. They need some sort of a a call on us, don't they?
1: Well, they I mean, I suppose they do, and uh I'd say Daniel has a kind of a controlling aspect anyway. Whether whether um, you know, but of course, there's nobody charged in any connection with 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 any of that that uh, you know suspected money. I did laundering. an interesting
0: chat this week with Tris Dixon, mm. and he has actually just posted a story up on it. Uh, Tris Dixon proboxtv.com He's writing for. So Tris Dixon is uh, a boxing writer. He was actually on the um the panorama documentary. He's a very well respected boxing writer. And we were discussing basically how far the authorities are going to delve into boxing. Um you know he knows I always say from the start I know very little about boxing other than the criminal yeah. sort of Aspecting. aspect of yeah. it. I wouldn't know a single thing about it otherwise. But you know, we were talking about because of Kinahan's involvement in it, are any of these suspected boxers and promoters and that that have worked with him. Um, and since the sanctioning, are they worried? Have they stepped back? Or is Daniel Kinahan still involved in boxing? And anybody who knows anything about boxing tells you that he is still very much involved, despite yeah. the sanctions, despite everything else. And of course, I was explaining to Tris that from what I know of the personality that is Daniel Kinnahan, um, and it's complex, but he will always... He's very convincing to people. He's yeah. a manipulator. He's a fraudster, really, just like his own father. Yeah. He's all the other things like a, a, an international multimillionaire, billionaire drug lord. But he's ultimately, an, and at the heart of him, he is a fraudster and a very manipulative character. And when we go back as far as Operation Shovel in 2010, and we were told that the Kinahan organization were taken down, the top of the Kinahan organization, he and his father and his brother told everyone, carry on regardless. We're going to beat this. Yeah. We are going to beat this. And initially there was panic and everybody was starting to kind of pull away and run a mile. But no, they insisted we're going to beat it. And what happened? They beat it. Yeah. It was a disaster in so many ways and not just for law author- for the authorities. It was a disaster because it embedded that message from the Kinahan organisation in all their foot soldiers that they say they can beat it and they can.
1: Yeah.
0: And daniel kinnehan will have gone into boxing with that same confidence and that same approach that what he says goes. Yeah. And when you look how far he got before the sanctions and he was telling everybody along the way don't worry about it there's nothing to see here. Yeah. I've no convictions I'm fine. He convinced everybody. Yeah everybody from the very, very top of boxing, not everybody, of course, because there is a big divide. Yeah. And Tris Dixon explained that to me, that there's a divide within boxing. There's all this sort of supporters of Kinnahan, um still there yeah. and still kind of confident in a way. And then there's all the people who didn't go with them and who were honest. And there's been this complete and utter skew in the value of what, yeah,
1: I mean obviously. And everything. There's, yeah, obviously the people, the supporters were very, very vocal of him at mm. that at that stage, and the people, the detractors didn't feel comfortable for obvious reasons uh, uh, speaking out about Daniel Kinnan, and you had very few within the boxing world though people would speak off the record. They a were terrified. Lot. Yeah, yeah, they were terrified. Um, so yeah, I mean he he like he was able to rise so high, partly because of where he was based in Dubai, where it was look, Wild there's, West. There's
0: very obvious stuff still going on and we won't go into it Yeah, on this. We'd probably need somebody more expert than ourselves, but it's very obvious what's still going on and where Daniel Kinahan's tentacles are in boxing still. It's extremely yeah. obvious. You only have to look at a card on something and you know that he's there in the background. But I suppose for our listeners to describe it as the bite of a snake yeah, and that poison is still in the ecosystem of boxing. Yeah. It's not that it's just it's come it's 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 not that it ended with the sanctions. No. And of course, Daniel Kinnan is still fighting for his survival. Yeah. I mean, he's not going to to lie down and be picked up and thrown into a jail cell. Mm. He is out there, he is still using his money and his influence to remain free in the United Arab Emirates.
1: And some of his freedom depends on, I think, on that. That sports world, of
0: course, it you does. Know, that
1: that—that's that's what a, he's bringing to the table. That's what he's bringing to the table. So there's many people involved with him in in terms of legitimacy. But the 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 boxing world, yeah, you're hearing loads all the time about his. See, I
0: suppose it's it's the question is really for the ones who didn't take the blood money. Yeah, are the ones who did? Is it still going to be this unfair platform going forward? Yeah, where those who have taken. Kinnahan's money are just going to get away with it? Or are they going to be investigated? Is the money trail going to be followed deep into the heart of boxing? And I would say yes, it is.
1: But is it going to be followed all the way to Dubai? I would suggest
0: possibly not. Well, you see, that is the that is the yeah. problem. That is the problem because you know, that's exactly what I was saying to Tris yeah. Dixon. Where does the where does the money trail go? Because even from a simple point of view, when MT, when MGM at the time and after the raids on that premises in Porto in September of 2016 happened just weeks before that before the the police, the Guarda Seville burst their way in there um, we could see that they had moved all the intellectual property rights out to Dubai to a free trade zone and we could see nothing else Yeah, it was like you can just see they're gone and then there's a block um, having said that you would consider that um you know, is the money going to just stay out there? And is it going to just go into the ether? Is it going to stay within boxing? There's been people paid by the Kinnahan organization back in Ireland, back in the UK. There's people who are paid within Daniel Kinahan's criminal network and rem- are continuously getting paid, particularly the people in the prisons. And there's people who are more legitimate that yeah. have been paid yeah. by his money. So... As the trail comes back from the Gulf and back into sort of more legitimate societies, where um, there is a possibility of investigating it, you'd like to think. Well, I think a lot of it will that there is some investigation going on into that money. Well,
1: I'm sure there is, and I think we'll see if there's, uh, you know, what digital messages where those lead. I think when yeah. it comes to money. That's that's a whole other question. What exists there? What has been accessed? And does that form part of the attempt to to extradite Daniel and and his father and, and brother from from
0: Dubai? So what we know is when um, when Daniel and Christopher Jr. went out to Dubai initially in 2016, they were allowed set up companies, and that the Emiratis deemed them low risk, despite the fact that they were. Um, despite the coverage really yeah. at that time of what was going on and in Dubai they initially set up food companies clothing companies and you know business service companies for the private sector Sector they formed um, management companies and an aviation consultancy yeah. all in these Emirati free zones which we'll call a black hole really of, of information because we can't get anywhere um, from there but they settled in and they they um, you know, Kinnahan obviously was working behind the scenes with the boxing and drawing more and more of that sport out to the Gulf. Um, he then was announced as a director of a Bahraini sports company by yeah. a son of a royal um, in Bahrain. And very quickly after that announcement, yeah, he was, within a week, I think, he was taken off the books yeah, again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But I think what that showed was his connections yeah. deep into the Gulf at that stage. Um, this sports company was state-funded, I think, largely. This was a kind of one of these sons of a royal yeah. in Bahrain, and clearly he'd made a personal connection. He was kind of a boxing fan himself. Yeah, I think an MMA fan and boxing fan, combat sports fan. Um, and, and chose to announce Daniel Kinahan yeah. as his advisor or his, his company director, whatever it was. We later saw him with the Pakistani sports minister yep. posing for um, for pictures. Where was it that he went with uh, Bob Aram and they were at a gala dinner?
1: And um, that was in in Eastern Europe somewhere, wasn't it? Was, was it, it in Uzbekistan? Uzbekistan I think yeah. yeah. So
0: he was in Uzbekistan at that gala dinner where mm. he was applauded, yeah. because he bought something at auction for a, a football, a Champions League final football for for charity, and yeah. a charity auction. For right. a six-figure sum, I think. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's how sort of deeply embedded he got. Yeah. Um, and I suppose that's where the tentacles of the business and where the money goes, the bigger they've become, the more complex their money laundering
1: and, and of aspects course, have been. Unlike like people like his contemporaries, you know, Rido Montagi and Raphael Imperiale, he was employing... Uh, yeah true with sports businesses, loads of of local guys, people mm. from within that society, Dubai natives, uh, people with connections, and all of that uh, counts for a lot in that country by all accounts.
0: Oh, for sure. I mean, you know, there's obviously still a little bit more to untangle there. I thought it was interesting when you looked at um Okay for for example the UAE is now on this grey list by the financial action task force they're looking to come off mm. are they gone black Are they are
1: No they? I, well I think it's a well it's been described as a black list or a grey list yeah. but it's it's basically uh, it's a it's a list done up by the EU for for countries that are not regarded as being safe in connection with money laundering and yeah. and, and and financial uh mismanagement I suppose
0: And part of that you know will relate of course to the interest of the the, uh, the US authorities in Hazium General Trading Limited, which was the first company that Daniel and Christopher Jr. set up out there. Um, they actually set that up in this free trade zone. Hazium General Trading Limited was called, and yeah. that was for the what I described as the food and the yeah. clothing and all the rest of it. And they had a Pakistani native called Sarfraz Ali Riast, who became the power of attorney over there. Yeah. Um, their company now with a little bit of digging, it looks as if between sort of 2016 and the sanctions, they had set up 200 companies in 20 different countries.
1: Yeah.
0: All of which are in these sort of uh, what we call them unfriendly territories. Yeah. When it comes to law enforcement and when it comes to, um, you know, getting the information, the directorships and what's going on and where the money is going, et cetera. So that's the kind of level of investigation that's been untangled. But I do think that you can be sure that if there is money that has gone into boxing, that the authorities will follow the trail as much as they can. And particularly, I think if it comes back to, say, the UK, to Ireland, to the US, of course, and anywhere else. And of course, while... Daniel Kinahan was luring boxing and other, you know, and sport out to the Gulf for his own purposes and for his ongoing friendship with the United Arab Emirates authorities. A lot of the money and their business was still based in Europe. Yeah. And 200 million was washed through Johnny Morrissey. Yeah. Uh, It is suspected in Spain. So, you know, it's not as if they've taken all their money and kept it in the Gulf because no doubt they don't fully trust that. No, and I mean they, they need cannot to. fully trust. They aren't part of those countries really. No, they're outsiders, and they have to keep their. Eggs in different baskets you'd imagine when, you ha- when you're when you dealing with that much you're dealing with a billion quid
1: yeah. you're not going to pump it all into the gulf no and I mean they have to have the movement of money as well in order to to, to pay, people. Pay, pay people and pay their own debts and pay yeah. whoever they're paying in South America so they need to be able to move that money around exactly. so first they want to clean it and then they want to be able to move it around in you know seemingly legitimate payments a very very complicated yeah. business no doubt
0: now you and I might owe one another 50 quid or 100 quid every now and yep. then or whatever it is. And uh, I think that's kind of as normal as it gets. But in the UK this week, last week, sorry, Louis Edwards, yeah, who is part of their, the Kinnahan UK operation, I think this really shows the kind of money you're talking about. Yeah. And where did the zero stop? But Edwards was arrested last year in Benny Dorm, where he had fled after his cocaine business was targeted in Portsmouth by police in the UK. He was a kind of a branch of the Kinnahan organization in Portsmouth, yeah. bringing in a lot of cocaine, was targeted. He went on the run. Anyway, he was arrested. And at the time he was arrested, we were told that he owed 20 million to the kinnhans and would no longer be able to pay it back so yeah.
1: that's a- I mean he was a classic kind of um, kinnhan franchise owner because he had the same they all had a very similar modus operandi with the he had the uh, uh, altered vehicles to high cocaine yeah. shipments um you know he was moving around the same places they were and he obviously had uh, yeah like he obviously had a, a degree of authority but he he was regarded as one of the biggest players in the uk drug scene and uh, his arrest, uh, when he was arrested in Spain, he was put out as being one of the most wanted men. So he's now in prison. I think he got 18 years, you know, which is, they tend to get out. Uh, nine, nine on license. Yeah. So how are they going to get that money out of him? Yeah. I mean, he's in a prison there. You know, I don't know, probably somewhere near where he lives. They're not going to have the tentacles in there. Does he have the money? Probably well, I mean, not. you can
0: pick somebody up and shake them by their ankles, and the coins will pop out of their pockets. But in the end of the day, if they don't have it, they don't have it. I mean, yeah. twenty million is a lot, and to they put your
1: hands on. No, and can they put their hands on him to threaten him to get it? Is he going to be sitting in jail thinking, you know, I'll worry about it in nine years' time when I get out and see if they're still floating around? Well, you
0: see, of course, what I've heard is that they have been trying to call in the debts. Oh, all over the place that they are owed a lot of money and that there is an attitude to them that they're going under. They're a sinking yep. ship and people don't want to pay. And they have been really hit by no matter what, while they might have, you know, all these investments and all the rest of it. The fact of the matter is they've been hit, hit each way by the US sanctions, which has created a toxicity around them for people dealing with them. um, And by all the the the, um, the focus on and the intelligence coming out of the organization and the big shipments that have been yep. nabbed. Yeah. Because they, like they need that's a loss
1: to them each time. And they need the threats to be able to collect debts. I mean, it's just as simple as that. Like yeah. They need to have the threat of violence hanging over, for example, Louis Edwards and we're supp- supposing like, you know, they need, he needs to be in fear in order to pay up mm-hmm. and Does he, would somebody like him think, how are they going to get at me now? And I'll just wait it out and see what happens. And I think
0: that's what we're hearing, that people are doing that all over the place. Because, of course, the landscape will have changed within the next year and their fate, I suppose, will have been decided certainly by, I would imagine, early in 2024. And how sort of threatening are they if they're before the courts facing life in prison? Yeah. That's the end of it for them. That's, that's the end of it. Yeah.
1: It was interesting, actually, the John Gilligan thing, which we talked about a lot. But didn't he, when he came out of prison, he had to go to after whatever it was, 15 years. Mm-hmm. He went around then and tried to collect his debts. And that's what got him in trouble. Yeah. So, but he didn't have the capacity, obviously, to get them when he was in jail. And those guys, by the time he got out, you know, they were nowhere... We're no more inclined to pay him
0: than than yeah
1: and they will be give me money you know and power has pivoted
0: yeah it's with somebody else and that's how it goes it's yeah it's definitely a fickle world yeah the underworld um yeah well anyway that is complex enough but you know as the information keeps coming forward and as people like a and countermole keep working away in the background there and um, and it does look like every chancer every dealer dealer chancellor ends up in Dubai yeah and you know near enough to the candidates really <laughs> yeah, yeah, you yeah, know yeah. what I mean yeah. like everywhere you look their connections they're just you, you get a name and you google it yeah. and you go yeah. like, again Stray Thomas Stray yeah. or Oye whatever yeah, yeah, your name is yeah. why didn't you use Google <laughs> well, i sure know, I'm sure are getting sure. mixed up in my friend I'm, sure I'm not so convinced that he didn't use Google exactly alright we'll we leave it at that for the moment thanks Nicola